Welcome to the Growing the Green Economy podcast, where every Monday we talk with the innovators, policy leaders, and activists that are leading the transition to a sustainable green economy. I'm your host, Connor Bronsden, political and tech consultant and policy writer. You can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. You can also listen on YouTube. Today on the show, I have Jesse Martin. Jesse is the executive director of Carbon Washington. Jesse, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners a little bit? Well, like you said, my name is Jesse. I'm the executive director of Carbon Washington. I've been in this position for just a little over a year. I started coincidentally on the first day of legislative session last year, so really hit the crowd running. Mm -hmm. And I am an environmental and behavioral economist. I also teach at Central Washington University. I've been in Washington for about 15 years. Really love it here, but I'm originally from uh, the woods of northern Maine. Oh, that's awesome. I'm super curious. How did you end up working for Carbon Washington? And for folks who don't know about it, why don't you tell us a bit about the organization? Yeah, sure. So before starting at Carbon Washington, I was at Earth Economics. I'm in Tacoma. Uh, That's where I live now. And that's where Earth Economics is based. And Earth Economics does a lot of really great work on um, nature-based solutions and ecosystem services valuation. And in that role, I got the opportunity to work with primarily with cities all over the country. So working on things like green stormwater infrastructure, green spaces, helping folks value nature in the decision-making process. And of course, the ultimate goal of directing investment toward those things. But I knew I wanted to actually work on policy. And that wasn't something that we really focused on at Earth Economics. We provided economic expertise to, to folks at various levels. And so when this opportunity came up, I was really excited to do it. It's been really great to be able to do that. You know, we came off of last session, so the start of this year on a legislative victory as the Sustainable Farms and Fields Act was passed last year, kind of my first big project to jump into as part of this organization. And we've continued to work with our partners on that. So in the agriculture space and at the Washington State Conservation Commission to get that program up and running. Uh, And then also to start engaging corporate partners and federal partners, national organizations to start positioning that as a model for national level action. I know a lot of folks, especially in Washington State, know who Carbon Washington is, but for listeners who may be outside the state or don't know anything about the organization, what's the mission of the org? So the mission of the org is to achieve net zero carbon emissions here in Washington State. That is that is our, our vision. And we accomplish that by building demand for climate policy that is effective. Mm-hmm equitable uh, and economically viable. And you have a flagship bill that you're running in this 2021 legislative session called WA Strong. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah. So like I said, coming off the heels of of a really nice success last legislative session that was signed into law in the middle of March. And as we all know, our world started changing really drastically around that time. So as we started thinking about what we were going to be doing in the rest of 2020 and then 2021 under circumstances that, of course, none of us could really really predict or forecast or learn what to expect from, we really had to pivot. So when COVID plunged our communities into this unprecedented public health and economic crisis, we, we knew we had to, to stop and take a minute and think about what we were going to do and how we were going to do it in order to ensure that our state really remained in a position to lead. So we knew that we needed to present 
bold solutions that were going to move all of Washington forward together toward an economic recovery, but one that was really going to put us on track to tackle the climate crisis as well, because obviously that didn't go on pause while so many other things in the world did for us. Absolutely. As a result of that thinking and that process, we came up with this proposal of Washington Strong. And so Washington Strong Act is a proposal that immediately provides a multi-billion dollar dedicated investment to the transition to a sustainable economy without leaving anyone behind. It uses these innovative, sustainable financing mechanisms. It enables the issuance of green recovery bonds. And what that does is allow us to get a lot of dollars flowing really quickly into our local economies, but do it in a way that makes sure the investments are moving us toward the sustainable economy and and that, that low carbon transition. And so that's, those are things like green bonds and climate finance are are terms that have kind of risen to the top of the list of solutions that take that two-pronged approach, right? So they really usher in a quick economic recovery focused at the local level, focused on job creation and local spending, but the whole time they're actively moving us toward the clean economy. So what is the mechanism to ensure that these green bonds are being used on projects that would actually move Washington State to a sustainable, equitable economy? Yeah, that's one of the most exciting parts, honestly, because one of the challenges, one of the many, many challenges of the climate crisis are is figuring out how to pay for it, right? So there's no single solution to the climate crisis. Uh, but one thing that we know for sure is it is going to require enormous levels of investment to ensure that we have the infrastructure and technology in place to usher in the sustainable economy. So there's been a lot of work going on around the world for the past couple of decades, really, in this world of green bonds in low carbon finance. And bonds are are, a really commonplace tool. Uh, We use them to pay for schools. We use them to pay for roads and bridges. It's really just basically how the government pays for big projects. And in the last few years, we've seen the rise of bonds that are specifically tied to climate outcomes. So a green bond has to have measurable climate outcomes. It has to have measurable resilience and sustainability benefits to our communities. And so that's a really exciting thing. You only actually are able to access these dollars if you are investing in the types of buildings and transportation investments that are moving us toward a low carbon economy. The bond issuance itself actually has those indicators, but then the legislation does as well. And because the revenue stream is tied to these these green bonds, it's always going to be used for those purposes. It can never be swept to other purposes. So that's a really exciting part of this because that's been a really tough nut to crack. How do we access the dollars we need to make sure that no one's left behind in this very expensive transition? And then once we do access it, how do we make sure that it stays there? It doesn't get swept for other purposes. I love that you're thinking about how to ensure that the financing stays focused on the goal of the legislation versus being used for something else, because that's something that's all too common that in some other crisis that pops up, lawmakers will say, oh, well, we need to move this money around. So I, I love that there's work being done to ensure that this is the crisis being actually addressed by that. That's great. Yeah. And I think our legislators really like that, too. That's been something that has been received really positively because, you know, they feel it, too, every session when they show up at Olympia or or they sign on to Zoom, as as it were. You know, it's their job to fight for their constituents' priorities and, and to fight for that funding, right? And it's everyone's competing for this kind of small, small bucket of dollars. And we have so many pressing needs and none is more important than the other, right? They're all really critical. This makes sure that not only are we directing the level of investment needed toward the climate crisis, but we're not doing so at the expense of other really important investments. So this this isn't in the same pool as public health or early childhood learning or worker safety or anything else, right? Like this is in a category of its own. It's a closed loop system. And that's something that I think is really exciting to folks that we can solve this problem, not at the expense of other problems that are, are just as worthy. 
So I think most folks listening are going to think of bonds as something that are used on either infrastructure projects or something that maybe is part of their retirement account. I know infrastructure investments are a huge portion of what Wastron could enable. What kind of investments could we see from this green financing? For as specific as it is, right? So we're setting up the specific revenue stream for these specific types of investments. When you dig in, it really starts to include a lot of things that folks might not necessarily think of when they think of a climate policy. And that's another really exciting part about this. So the more we talk about it, the more folks actually see themselves in it, where they might not always see themselves in in other climate policies. What this bill is going to do is really put Washingtonians to work doing the same jobs they've always done. The difference here is that they're going to be using new, more efficient, and more resilient materials to construct that infrastructure, both in our rural and urban communities. That includes everything from broadband to forest health investments to clean transportation, of course, is always a big part of this conversation, and it's in in serious need of a lot of funding. But it also includes things like energy efficiency and HVAC upgrades to our schools, hospitals, businesses, public buildings. We've got cities and communities around the state that they need to invest in more water treatment facilities and things like this. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got communities communities that are investing in water treatment facilities that they generate energy on site through a waste product. So that qualifies for something like this, right? So essentially, as long as your development and your your new investments, your new buildings, your new infrastructure are moving toward that low carbon economy and they're reducing emissions and increasing resilience, they qualify for this. And that's been a really fun part of this too, is to have those conversations all around the state and have folks see, oh, this thing that's really important to me actually fits into this if it uses these new materials or if it does things in a new way. What would the economic impact of Wastrong be? It would be uh, enormous. So as, as we've been talking about, the program creates these low-cost green recovery bonds that allow us to really quickly invest in infrastructure, right? So that that's time is of the essence, not for the climate crisis. That's the whole idea of government investment, right? Is to speed up what we can do. Yeah, exactly. And these, these infrastructure projects we know deliver really really high returns to the community in terms of the number and types of jobs that they create. So these are good family wage jobs with benefits. These types of projects typically source more locally. So they're doing business in partnership with local companies. And then of course, when people are put back to work, they're able to spend money at local businesses. They're able to pay their rent. They're able to do all of those things that keep our local economies running. In terms of numbers, what we're talking about on um, the revenue side is over 10 years, at least $16 billion, about $5 billion of that. Wow. Yeah, this is this is serious stuff. This can help a lot of a lot of people at scale really quickly, right? So $16 billion over 10 years, and five of that, up to five of that can be in the form of bonds. So that's $5 billion that we can front load, that we can get moving quickly and then pay back over time. And then, you know, by making the right investments now, not only are we jumpstarting our economies and getting billions of dollars flowing really quickly, but we're setting ourselves up for success in the future by reducing reducing the cost of disaster release, protecting our homes and communities, uh, you know, and even saving lives. Not only does it get things going in the near term and get dollars flowing, but it really, it saves money in, in the long term. And then another exciting thing that it does is, or I think this is exciting, is it would allow us to unlock billions in federal match as well for things like clean and safe buildings and and rural transportation. There are a lot of great federal match programs out there for resilience, but it takes some state money to access those dollars. And I think an extra exciting part about that federal match opportunity is that we have a new administration in place now that is actually interested in trying to solve the climate crisis. You know, Biden closed his 2020 campaign with his Build Back Better message talking about how can we have a sustainable, equitable recovery from the COVID-19 crisis. 
And as a big part of that, some of the conversations that were happening were about green financing. So I'm excited that we're doing it at the state level too. Yeah, absolutely. The the time, the time is right uh, on on so so many levels. Right, the need mm-hmm. is there and the need is urgent. But the landscape is is really conducive and really helpful right now to be implementing policies like this. And it feels like there's a lot of folks who you know, they see what's happening with the climate crisis, whether it's the massive freezes in Texas and the fact that the grid can't sustain it or wildfires across the West Coast or increasing hurricanes. And they go, oh my God, we're doomed. They want to kind of tune out because they're giving up. But there is a really exciting opportunity here if we make the investments now. And I know it's it's hard for folks to focus on that, but we can invest at a state and federal level and at, at a local level too, and take this opportunity that where we need to recover from the COVID crisis and its impacts to actually make that transition to a sustainable economy happen. So thank you for doing that work. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's fun work to do. And I can say based on my experience, the folks who get this, it's it's our it's our local governments, right? Like they they mm-hmm. from the beginning, they're like, yes, we get this. And you know, that's been my work is working with cities on these financing mechanisms and getting infrastructure in place. Like they feel the pain of their communities. They're up against those challenges and getting getting money into local projects. And so if, if there's anyone that has just really gotten this right out of the gates, it, it's our local governments for sure. Well, because they want to act, they want to build. They do. The problem is that federal dollars haven't been there and state dollars, at least in Washington state, haven't. Exactly. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about who some of the partners are for Wastrong, who's supporting, what's the opposition like? Yeah. So I will say that we haven't seen any actual strong and open opposition, right? I think folks understand that this is going to take the climate crisis and the economic crisis as a result of COVID. It's going to take a suite of solutions. And so I I, I have been heartened to hear that acknowledged in the climate space mm-hmm. this session, right? Like folks want to see big things happen. They want to see more than one big thing happen. So I would say in the, the usual climate and enviro NGO space, that's what folks want. They want right. to push everything forward and see every, you know, as many things as possible get over the, the finish line. So I think folks are talking about this differently than we've heard them talk about in the past. It's really about What's the comprehensive suite of things that we can all push forward together? And I think that's just exactly right. We don't we don't need internal division. We need folks pushing as much big thinking forward as possible because that's really the only way we're going to solve this. Let's say you're someone who's listening to this show and you live in Washington State and you go, wow, this sounds like a great bill. I really want to make sure I can try to help support this. I'd love to have this happen. Or even if they're not in Washington State, what are the actions people can take to support the bill and support the work being done to push for green financing? Yeah. Well, you can always call your legislator and let them know that you're excited about this. If you know about it, tell them why. If you don't, you can learn about it and tell them you're learning about it and you want them to learn about it, right? Like legislators have so much on their plates and so many things to try to understand and learn about. Unless you tell them, sometimes they they won't even know, right? So call your legislator and let them know this is something you're excited about and you want to hear more about and you want to hear them talking about. And then specifically, you can call members of the Senate Environment and Energy Committee because that's where the bill is going to get a hearing. Senator Carlisle, the chair of that committee, has promised us a hearing, but it's not scheduled yet. So you can call the members of the committee and let them know this hearing needs to get scheduled. We want to hear it. We want to hear from others, have them hear what others have to say about it. That's the forum where that happens is in a public hearing. And then you can go to wastrong.org and there you'll be able to sign up for action alerts, learn more about the proposal, and then really stay in the know on what those next steps are and ways to be involved all session. All right. Well, if you're listening, folks, make sure you go to wastrong.org 
strong.org to find out more about what's happening with the proposal. And if you're listening to this in the next few days, we're recording this February 19th, so in the next week or so when it comes out, call Senate, State Senator Ruben Carlisle in Washington State to try to get this bill up for a hearing. Obviously, I think we're both a big fan of green financing and the opportunity it can provide to the transition to a sustainable economic recovery. How can other states and countries take similar action to Wall Street? They already are. Frankly, we are falling behind here. So Europe and Asia are, are pretty far ahead of the U.S. on climate finance, especially China. But I think we're going to see some changes. We've seen such strong signals from the Biden administration, from capital markets, get folks, you know, organizations like Ceres and Climate Policy Initiative just doing really great work to push this issue here in the U.S. So I think we're about to see some big progress. But states like Maryland and Massachusetts, they're looking at stuff like this. There's a proposal that looks a lot like Washington Strong that's being introduced in Massachusetts this month. So very similar securitizing carbon revenues in the form of these recovery bonds. This week, Maryland just introduced a really innovative piece of conservation finance legislation. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, really great stuff. And that's on the heels of them passing an act last year that created resilience districts. And those are really there to finance the transition at a more local level too. That's something we could pursue here in Washington also, right? Like a resilience mm-hmm. district could help us finance some forest health stuff around wildfires or some sea level rise stuff. So there is a lot of exciting stuff happening. Washington's got to catch up on Washington Strong's a great place to start. What about equity? I know that's one thing that we haven't really talked about, but that you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation. How is equity being built into the framework of Law Strong and these securitized carbon bonds? Yeah, so it is being built in the correct way, which is by asking folks on the front lines how they want to see it in there. So Senator Lovelett and Representative Lakanoff have been the legislators out and out in front of this from the beginning, and they have just gone about this process the right way, right? So equity and environmental justice starts with engagement, right? Right. It starts by engaging communities who are experiencing these impacts and asking them how they want to be represented in this legislation and then inviting them to, to lead in shaping it. And so that is what has happened. Senator Lovelett and Rep. Lakanoff have been working really closely with Front and Centered and, and other leaders in the environmental justice community, not just here in Washington State, but Rep. Lakanoff's got great relationships in the EJ community all over the country. So she's been seeking insights from elsewhere to make sure that we're at the cutting edge here and that we're really making sure that voices are not just heard, but put out front and that their words are in the legislations. That's really the only way to do it, right? Is in in engage the communities who are experiencing these impacts and asking them for their expertise about solutions. And so you will see that all throughout this legislation. And I really applaud Senator Lovelett and Replicana for their amazing work on that front. So given that you're trying to engage folks from the peninsula to the Palouse, as you said, which I love, how is Wastrong bringing in new partners or new engagement? for folks who are interested in trying to solve the climate crisis or to address coming out of the COVID-19 recovery? We were really fortunate to be able to build on our success with agricultural communities and rural communities following our work on the Sustainable Farms and Fields Act last session. So we had that group of folks already engaged in climate policy in in a new way. And we're seeing that at the the federal level too, right? There's exciting stuff coming out about agriculture and rural economic development as part of climate solutions. And so we've gotten really strong support from the Ag and Rural Caucus of of the Democratic Party. They've been really fired up and excited um, and have been helping us on everything from, from messaging to getting the word out in communities and talking about 
how this helps rural communities specifically. And I can say that, that that's something that's really important to both Senator Lovelett and Replicanoff, the, the two, two prime sponsors. Uh, they represent rural communities. And so that's been really exciting. So while we've had all of this momentum and success engaging our rural partners and our agricultural partners, we've also had great success ex- engaging new legislators. So there's an exciting new freshman class of legislators that just came in and they haven't all necessarily been part of the climate conversation, but they're excited to get involved. So if you look at the list of co-sponsors in, in the Senate and the House, like that gets me really fired up, right? When we have folks like Representative Wicks, Representative Hackney, Representative Jamila Taylor out there talking about how they see their districts in this and how this really positions climate policy differently. And it really does allow people all across the state and urban and rural communities to see themselves in this. That's just exciting. It's inspiring. It's, it's inspiring to hear new voices using new words to talk about the climate crisis and the solutions that we need to put forth. That's what's going to make policy better. That's what's going to make sure nobody gets left behind. And that's been really exciting to me is to just see new folks just jump in the mix and get really excited about this. That's fantastic. And I think the idea that Wastrong can provide this opportunity to bridge gaps between rural and urban communities, because you know, rural communities care about clean water too. Rural communities want to have sustainable farms, want to have, you know, sustainable timber jobs come back. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that rural and urban communities agree on and both want. And if framed right, climate policy can address communities across the country and across the world, regardless of the style of living they're part of. Mm-hmm. This is a sustainable financing opportunity that can be used for major infrastructure projects for water treatment and housing and also light rail in the Seattle area. Or it could be something where it's helping to revitalize sustainable forestry in Yelm. Or it could be something that's working on sustainable farming opportunities on the east side of the state. That's fantastic that that's that's something that's being addressed and really considered. Because I think that rural-urban fusion is how we're going to actually win on this issue. Yeah. What are some of the big projects that you could see happening? Maybe give a couple of examples of different opportunities that could be financed from the Wastrong Act. Well, we know we're going to have to put a lot of money into our transportation sector to make sure that people and goods get where they're going. And then also we reduce emissions. And also we know that the transportation budget and the legislature's been in trouble for some time. Transportation offers a really great opportunity to talk about that urban-rural connection that we were just talking about, right? So whether we're talking about transit or pedestrian paths or bike connectivity on, on one in one community, or if we're talking about investments in hydrogen to make sure that folks that are driving big trucks, whether it's for agricultural goods or timber, they're not going to electrify those, right? We, we need to be talking about all, all the different solutions in the transportation space. And I think that's been a great conversation that's shed light on how this could look or how climate policy can include more people than we thought, right? Like rail expansion is something that gets folks in rural communities excited and that definitely reduces our emissions. I get really excited talking about combining green infrastructure and low carbon building with a lot of our other priorities, right? So it's it's these holistic solutions that we need to see. So if we're putting in new mixed use and affordable housing developments that use green materials and have, you know, their energy efficient and they've got good air filtration and ventilation, they've got broadband, they're sited near transit. It's more than one thing, right? And, And in order to take those really big comprehensive steps, the thing we need is a lot of money. It's not one particular 
investment that I get excited about. I can tell you for, for most people it is though. A lot of folks are really excited about forest health and a lot of folks are really excited about broadband. Absolutely. But to me, what's really powerful here is the fact that it's never just one thing. It's combining them all into the sustainable economy. Make sure you visit wastrong.org to learn more about what's happening with the legislation and get involved, folks. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Connor. It's been a pleasure. It's always, always fun to talk to uh, the any of the handful of folks that are excited about financing. <laughs> yeah, There's, there are a few of us. There are a few. There will be more, especially once Washington Strong passes. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Growing the Green Economy. I'll be back next week with Janelle Leafblad, Western Regional Director for Woodworks, talking about mass timber and sustainable construction. If you can take 30 seconds to subscribe, share, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, It drives show discoverability and means the world to me. You can find me on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and across social media at Connor Bronsden. Thanks for listening.